who's so much hair for a newborn. We need to start planning his baptism and his holiday outfit and, ooh, his birthday party. Sure, but um, how long are you planning to stay? If you're one of those who goes to meet your newborn nephew and stays until his first birthday party, switch to Cricket Wireless. Use your phone as many days as you want in Mexico without extra cost. Smile, you're on Cricket. Requires eligible plan. Minimum $55 per month. Data speed usage and other restrictions apply. Coverage not available everywhere. See store for details. Criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot, so my disguise must be able to strike terror into their hearts. Must be a creature of the night. Black. Terrible. A... A bat! That's it, old chum! It's an omen! I shall become a bat! Yes, folks, welcome to Cinema de Fromage. Oh boy, oh boy, am I happy because tonight is the greatest superhero film ever made and anyone wants to argue about me with it, I don't care. I will fight you to the bitter end because this is the one I've been waiting for all this time. This is 1966 Batman the movie tonight on Cinema de Fromage. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. <laughs> more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals ever. Their minimum objective must be the entire world. And here are the dastardly villains, the Catwoman. You're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. The Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> the Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. <laughs> the Riddler. Question. Who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? See, the new weapons in the Bat Arsenal combat the forces of evil. The Batcopter. The exploding, man-eating shark. Holy sardine! The relentless Megaton Magnet. The unholy quartet secret submarine. Fire one! Fire one! The Batboat, in action. The Deadly Disintegrator. The Attack on the Batcave. Holy hallucination! You'll blast through the skies on these mad, manned missiles. And you'll be with me, Robin, at the Bat Scanner, eavesdropping on Batman's romance. And you'll shudder at the death-dealing Polaris missiles. Brace yourself, Robin. This could be the end. And 
that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. Okay, folks, that's it. How is that? You now know everything that happens in that movie. By the way, hey, Kinte, what weighs six ounces, sits in a tree, and is very dangerous? My gun. No. Come on. It's the most obvious answer. A sparrow with a machine gun. <laughs> that was, believe it or not, you know, there's a lot of great jokes in this movie. Uh, before we start, I'm going to say, that one is my favorite, only because... Chief O'Hara, not Chief O'Hara, but Commissioner Gordon in the background just suddenly goes, of course. <laughs> it's like, what? And that is how insensible this movie is. Welcome to Cinema de Fromage. Sorry, I'm kind of babbling right now, but I am so excited. I really am. This is one of my favorite movies, and this is one I suggested, and I was so happy I just thought of it at the last second. Uh, Batman the movie, 1966. Um, Burt Ward, Adam West, and a plethora of amazing villains all together in one big candy colored package that is so much fun oh my gosh anyways with me tonight of course we have our usual guests plus a special guest tonight so first we'll start off with uh kente because i already entered he because he got the riddle wrong how you doing tonight i i don't know if you could say that i got it wrong i mean you know you missed the obvious answer <laughs> but i am so happy to be here with you fine people and once again talking about another uh interesting movie uh batman 1966 uh batman who is the world's first animal rights activist because uh how many you know how many um times did he try to spare the lives of those poor animals in yep. the film also world's greatest detective yeah. And you got to see him detect. He sure did. <laughs> also tonight here is, of course, Jen. How are we doing? Great. And also super excited to talk about Batman, mostly <laughs> just because uh, I can see that this is going to be a fun one. Oh, and fun is the key word on this film. Now, Kente, do you want to introduce our special guest tonight? Yes, I do. This guy is perfect for tonight. He and himself... Perfect. Perfect, right? He himself is a comic book artist. Uh, I'll let him talk about his uh, comic book titles. I've known this guy for a while. He's originally from Hawaii, much, uh, and uh, Jen is currently there. So they have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. It's the one and only Alan Carter. How you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for coming, man. I'm so glad that we finally got are able to get you on. And tell us a little bit about yourself, Carter's Comics, and your three comics that you do. Well, I'm the artist and writer of Carter Comics, and I do, of course, three titles, Cosmic Force, a science fiction series, uh, Damn Tourists, of course, being from Hawaii, a little satire about annoying tourists, and Mongoose Mondays, a illustration game on figures of speech. And movie trivia, music trivia, and television trivia. All right. So you can get all that where? You can get that at uh, alan-carter.squarespace.com, my website, and also indieplanet.com. All right. So I'm, I'm so glad to get you back on the show and looking forward to hearing your thoughts on tonight's episode. So I, I will turn the mic back over to Kingpin Vin. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, let me just take this mic here, put it in front. Okay, I'm good. All right, tonight's movie is Batman. We've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. This is not the first Batman movie, but this is the first big Batman movie. This is the first big budget Batman movie. Anyone who thinks, oh, yeah, 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 the, you know, the one with Michael Keaton, that was the big one, Jack Nicholson. No, no, no. This was the big budget film before. This is one that was done by 20th Century Fox, not Warner Brothers, because they had the rights to Batman at that time. So this movie was basically created um, as a sort of companion piece to the series that had just come out. Uh, Batman in 1966 was actually a replacement show that was put in mid-season because the show that it was supposed to be uh, that was supposed to be in that time slot was failing badly. ABC was in the dumps as far as ratings went, and this is the time when you only had the three networks, and they were number three. And suddenly they had this weird show that uh, was a superhero show, um, colorful, bizarre, strange, and caught like wildfire. Um, the test audience for it originally showed as the worst tested show ever. And they said, okay, we're going to put this on the air anyway. It's a mid-season replacement. <laughs> and the whole idea originally was to have the movie come out first to sort of set off the series, but they had to do the replacement. Suddenly, everyone went mad for the show. Um, it is For anyone who hasn't seen it, this is a different take. If you are used to the broody, dark night detective that we've all come to know, this is not him. This is the Batman that, you know, I will argue existed in the comics at the time in fact he he was basically a very strange person if you would read the comics straight this is what it would look like at the time um in fact this show probably saved batman we would not know him today if this show and this movie did not come out and was as successful as it was um they talked about how readership of the comics was dwindling for batman it was they had some weird stuff that was going on. They tried a new look thing, and that wasn't quite catching on. And then suddenly the show came out, and they went from a 300,000-issue um, run to over a million to three million uh, within a short span of time, which, as you can tell, would be a huge bump. And suddenly Batman became on everybody's lips and everyone's minds. That's the history. The movie itself... Um, the plot you know what i'm gonna let jen jen describe the plot of batman for us <laughs> oh god because <laughs> i i couldn't do it justice so go ahead nothing like putting me on the spot <laughs> um okay so <clears throat> wait i'm i'm gonna preface this by saying that until very recently i had not seen this movie <laughs> and i am one of those people who was used to seeing the broody Batman and uh, I knew super villains like Bane and uh, super edgy, you know, kind of antagonists. And so in this version of Batman, the antagonists are to call, to call them bumbling idiots would be pretty silly of me. But they have that sort of like naive feeling to them. Like, of course, Batman will best them. These villains are some of the uh there's some they they encompass all of the awesomeness of the of all the batman antagonists but they are just so silly <laughs> i mean they're really silly um so let's see so what how, how would we describe what happens in 
this Batman movie. I think the best way to say it is we start out with crazy action. They're trying to kill Batman almost right away. And that launches into the superhero, or, I'm sorry, the superhero, the supervillain scheme to rid the world of its leaders. Um, I'm not sure how much more I should say, actually. I think we should actually just sort of discuss it along the way to pull out all of the subtle, awesome nuances of the story. I don't feel like a synopsis does it justice. I don't think it's possible to do a synopsis aside from, unless you're going to talk about every little plot point. I mean, it has a plot, but it's not necessarily, it's a lot of set pieces strung together that form a plot near the end. Um, well, you know, I think this movie inspired Jaws. <laughs> okay, well, let's start right there. The opening set piece. Okay, unlike superhero films nowadays, it has to go, hey, we got to show the origin of this guy, because if we don't know where he came from, we're not going to understand him. Forget that. They said, well, we already got the show going on, and really, who cares about his origin? First thing you have happen is a call to Batman. He drives to his house does a quick wave to Alfred and Anne Harriet, goes straight down to the bat poles, right to the Batmobile, zooms off to the bat Batcopter, you know, and you knew you were watching, like, you had your set piece, you know, the, it was the original same set shot they always had of them going down the pole, getting in the thing, atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed, Roger, ready to move out, put on the belt buckles, and off they go. And then they go to get the Batcopter, which was the first time you'd seen the Batcopter. And it's like, oh, it's a Batcopter! And it flies for a while. They go out to sea. Apparently they're trying to save someone from a yacht which is in trouble. And Batman lowers on a ladder and the yacht turns out to be an illusion! And Batman's in the water <laughs> for seconds because Robin, who's left there flying the thing, does not know to stop lowering him when the thing goes. And he is instantly attacked by a killer shark. Um... Yeah, it's it was not it's, it's not as impressive looking as it sounds. But it's not just a shark, it's a train shark that is filled with explosives. <laughs> <laughs> and so Batman can only save himself the way Batman can is with one of his bat gadgets. In this case, it's uh shark repellent bat spray, which shark Robin repellent. brings he... down the ladder and you know for Batman some reason, has to hang upside down to give it to him. I don't know why. It looked good, well. He I guess. was remember he was a uh, trapeze artist, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and of course, but he was a master at branding, though. I mean, come on, he branded oh, yeah. everything: his bat ladder, the bat oh yeah, it even says bat ladder. <laughs> yeah, like, when the ladder drops, there's a little sign at the bottom, and this is the beautiful thing about this movie and this show. It's the weird humor. It's the it, it exists in a universe that is just a bizarre universe where everyone accepts everything without uh, it's all straight everyone just accepts weird things happening batman has a ladder that has a little sign on the bottom <laughs> that says bat ladder everything he has is labeled with bat this bat that you know everything you know what i was disappointed with though later on in the movie it had like water dispenser why didn't it say bat water dispenser oh well because <laughs> it had to have the room for heavy water dispenser right right <laughs> See, that's important. I can understand the importance of that. I mean, Do you, have you all thought about whether or not he had patents on all of that? Well, this is, his way of, this is his way of copywriting everything, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a bat computer. Uh, it looks like I'm a computer. No, a bat that's, court. A computer. that's a bat computer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I do like the fact he had different repellents 
for them. <laughs> like they had one for Barracuda on there. Oh no, even better. Even better than Barracuda, they had whale. Oh, so yeah. Batman was afraid of being attacked by a whale at sea, or at least he was prepared. If a whale at sea was gonna get him, he was prepared. And that's the thing. This is the one thing this show had that I think has carried on throughout all of Batman in all his iterations, is Batman always wins if he's prepared. Right. Does he have and a bat condom? Is... That's what I want to know. Is there a bat condom? Yes. And it has a bat logo <laughs> on it. Well, that's just downright freaky. <laughs> it's it's on the fourth uh, the fourth panel of his utility belt. <laughs> oh man! You know what we 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 neglected to mention about his uh well you'll say fire pole but I say stripper pole where you slide down and it magically puts your clothes on for you. That yeah, is you just awesome. switch. Yep. And, and it works in reverse, too. You hop on this thing, a rocket fires you up, you clip the switch to say, you know, switch back into your regular clothes, and you do. <laughs> so somewhere down there, which they couldn't show in the time, there's like these robot arms that are probably changing him as he's going down the pole. <laughs> well, okay. This and movie is incredibly kinky. Jeez. It is. <laughs> Look at the costumes. Oh, man. No rubber pants or anything. These are all, everyone's in the stretchy <laughs> nylon and... Uh, I do. I, I do have to make. I, I do have to make one observation at this point. So uh, yeah. a, a highlight of watching the movie with people who were kind of young adult at the time, they all noticed that Adam West hadn't even done like you know some serious weight training or anything, and no. how cool it was that he was just basically Adam yeah. West in a dad bod running around <laughs> in a leotard. <laughs> now, in, in all fairness, that was fit in the nineteen sixties. If you look at all of the fitness guys, that was about the size of the bodies then. Yeah, he was. They didn't uh, have to have built too much muscles. Then. Yeah, he was built for then. Um, that was pure West. Yeah. Now, okay, it was an exploding shark. Why did it have mm. to? Why didn't it explode while he was clamped onto his leg? Shouldn't it have exploded? Well, I think the whole idea was that it would only explode in the water, and so oh. they super criminals did not realize that had it, you know clamped onto him it would have gotten out of the water and batman of course luckily all of those punches he was throwing at the shark i mean folks if you haven't seen this take to this a man in a bat suit batman suit hanging off a ladder punching a rubber shark <laughs> that's clamped onto his leg it is it is brilliant Priceless. it is it is it's when you're a little kid watching it because i can attest i was a little kid when i watched it you're like, oh no, Batman! Oh, and as you get older, you realize how fake that looks and how silly it looks. At first, you know, when you're a teenager, you get that, this is stupid. And then you get older, and you just go, this is the funniest thing I've seen today. So, let me and add, then the rest of the movie happens, and it gets better. Let me add, let better. me let me ask a question. I'm gonna start off with this with Alan. So, does that mean that Batman could take on Jaws, Bruce the Shark? I I think so. I mean, this this was the perfect training. <laughs> what a great ending of Jaws! If instead of blowing him up, he just has uh, out of nowhere uh, in the water, um, some uh, bat uh, shark repellent rolls over, and then Brody, <laughs> and then that's how it ends. <laughs> That'd be like a better ending, I think, than uh, to Jaws if that's what happened. I'm just throwing it out there for the remake. <laughs> 
that's probably where Spielberg got the idea. So how do we get rid of the shark in the end? Oh, I saw a movie. The shark exploded. That would be the perfect ending to my movie. The shark explodes. Holy summer blockbuster, Batman. <laughs> oh, speaking with that whole... So Robin's line there, which is always... The, I love Batman comes out of the water. They're lifting, and there's the shark hanging off his leg. He's like, oh, oh. And Robin looks down and goes, holy sardine. <laughs> well, on my DVD, I have the French language stuff because, you know, Canada, we have to have French there. And I wanted to know what the hell the French version of holy sardine would be. And I was so pleased. It was simply, kill sardine. Which means, <laughs> what a, what a sardine. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> wow! So, uh, so out of all of us, who who was it? It was their first time seeing it. Uh, I've seen it like a long time ago, and I know it that was you. My seen... first time. Was it I'm your a long time Bat fan? So I've been watching the show. What about you, Alan? Kids. Had you seen it before? This was really the first time I've seen the entire movie. I'd seen parts of it over the years. Okay, so I'm really interested in getting your guys' uh, take on. The well, the overall feel of it and and whatnot. Uh, you know, what do you guys think? Uh, without giving your score, but just you know, uh, could, was it easy for you guys to get into? Well, it was super easy for me to get into. I mean, it was so much fun. It was actually really fun. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And and uh, although, you know, when you say that something is campy, it's so funny how that word sort of has a certain connotation but i feel like campy was made for batman like those two words should just be synonymous i don't mean the later movies i mean adam west as batman equals campy but it's so uh innocently awesome that you can't help but love it it's just it there's really something special to it really i i personally i think that if it had been any other way it wouldn't be as sort of uh, wondrous. What, what about you, Alan? You know, I had seen, because I'd seen the series as a kid in, uh, in reruns, and then later on, you know, the, the, the Tim Burton movies, all that, Christopher Nolan, and watching it now, and also, you know, having seen Adam West's Unfamily Guy and all that, <laughs> it was just really fun yeah, it was just it was just hilarious to see like the whole like shark scene was just so hilarious. Whereas if I had seen it as a kid at the time, uh, I would be like upset because I would want my superheroes to be more serious. But now that I know that that's a different time, I can really appreciate it for what it was in that time, and I can just like laugh at things and just say, oh, you know, oh, that's just you know that's just their take on it. So I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. No- um, let me ask uh, a question too to everybody, uh, to King Penguin. Um, uh, what was your favorite villain of the the, the Holy Four? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, Joker was because Joker was always the best villain. But as I've gone on in years, once again, as you get older, you realize there's two performances in this movie alone, but uh, also through the series that are really outstanding. Uh, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you have to understand, the Riddler was in two comics prior to this series coming out. So he wasn't like a top-tier villain. This series turned him into one of the big four villains for Batman. Mm. Like, when you talk Batman to just any layperson who may not have seen a Batman movie or anything, they're going to say Joker, they're going to say Penguin, they're going to say Riddler, they're going to say Catwoman. 
and it's because of this movie, because of this show. Frank Gorshin is so manic. His performance is so insane, and it's just amazing. It's just, he just sets the stage, and it's like, wow, you're just watching these world dervish. Burgess Meredith is the penguin. He is, If you, I, I don't care what you want to, like, any other interpretation comes up, is always going to have his fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. He, and like, forget the goofy side, there's a bit to him, and it, yeah, it's the wah, 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 but there's a sort of thing about him where he brings up sort of this weird style and panache to the villain, and at the same time, you you can't get that out of that shadow. Um, when Danny DeVito tried to do the, the creepy, miserable penguin, they still had a bit where he was going for Mare, which is right out of the Batman series. Because there's a whole two episode arc where Penguin is running against Batman for mayor of Gotham City, <laughs> which, if you haven't seen, is awesome. Because Batman is basically saying politics is all about the issues, and he's telling speeches. And there's like three or four people in the audience where Penguin's doing everything about you know the pizzazz and everything, and he's getting thousands of people coming to see him and everything. And Batman's, don't worry, the citizens of Gotham they will vote for me because it's the issues that matter. <laughs> And he's like, and, and everyone, even his side people who are like, you know, this commissioner and the former mayor are trying to go, yeah, can you just spruce it up a little, Batman? Can you? No, it's okay. I've got it covered. <laughs> and that's Adam West's performance. I mean, let's we'll talk about that right now is the way he plays Batman. He, he, he nailed for this type, this interpretation of Batman. He nailed it. It's this straight, square character who speaks slowly and over-enunciates every syllable. And that's his style, and it works, and it's hilarious. And then you've got, on the other side, you've got the young kid, you know, or not really a kid, but you got Burt Ward sitting there with this over-energetic, you know, performance that, you know, anything else would not have worked, but his Robin is just basically, you know, pounding the fist into the thing, and standing there and looking heroic and talking loud, and, you know, and holy this and holy that and it's like it just works the two of them together just work perfectly like and it's a great combination you want to see what's going to happen next with these guys and the villains i don't know any hero film where you could get multiple villains in the same movie without it being sort of a mess and sort of unorganized everything this one they all work together i could have watched a movie of just the villains for the entire movie where you didn't see Batman because they're all interesting and they all played against each other and they all played with, you know, to each other's strengths and weaknesses and attacked each other when they could and everything. And they were just fun and interesting to watch. I mean, the Joker is like insane. That laugh that uh, Cesar Romero had, the fact that he wouldn't shave off his mustache. So they just painted over it. I mean, it's like, it's so absurd and bizarre. And the fact they have a different actress from Catwoman who was in the series, but we ignored that completely. And that's okay. We're just going to gloss it over. And in the third season, you had uh, Eartha Kitt playing Catwoman. And so, so suddenly Catwoman is a shorter black woman. And it's like, that, that's still Catwoman. Don't worry about it. We know that's Catwoman. It's like, nobody bats an eye. And that's the beautiful thing about the show is the absurdity is like, everything is fair. Fair game. And that's what I loved about the show. It's like, they, the weirder the things happened, the more they played it straight. And like, this is normal. You know, the show was only on for like three seasons. Yeah, that's... Three seasons, yeah. It it had its height in the first season, started sliding the second. They realized they were in trouble. They added Batgirl. They changed the format from the two episode because uh, it was on twice a week. Like, imagine this. Your your show, your favorite show is on 
two nights a week with a cliffhanger in between the two. Oh, wow. I mean, it was on Wednesday and Thursday nights. Originally, it was supposed to be a one-hour show. They cut it into two half-hour shows with a cliffhanger, and it was perfect, right? So, you know, same bat time, same bat channel. Batman's on fire. How will we get out of this one? And you're like, oh, my gosh. So the next day, you tune in and find out. It's like, oh, okay. But, oh. I'm, I'm looking at the, the show, and they had a villain named King Tut. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he's played by Victor Bruno, who was... Uh, Actually, oh no, we didn't see. Uh, he was in a Planet of the Apes movie, mm. among other things. And he was, it was an interesting character. Basically, he was a professor who got hit on the head and thought he was King Tut and became a villain. And if he gets hit on the head, he becomes this meek professor again. So he's totally not responsible for his crimes. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. Uh, wow. The first four episodes, the first one was the, the Riddler was the villain, then yep. it was the Penguin. That was amazing. The Joker, then Mr. Freeze, then it went to Zelda the Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's when they started making up villains, because everyone wanted to be a guest star on the show. Oh. But we're going to talk, let, let's slide away from the show. It's, it's, it's difficult, because they, they are meshed. But we'll go back to the movie. Let's let's go to the movie itself. Um, I'm going to advance the plot along, just so we can introduce the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact they introduce the villains the way they do, um, this is to get the logic of this world. Batman, Robin, Commissioner Gordon, and Chief O'Hara, who I think Batman secretly hates, because if you watch the the reactions between Batman and Chief O'Hara, there's sometimes where I think Batman's getting a little snotty with Chief O'Hara. I think there's a secret hating going on in that, but that's just my theory. But they're all sitting together trying to figure out what happened. And all of a sudden they're talking and Batman's like, well, who could have done all this? Well, you know, here's the, the super villains that are at large right now. And it just happens to be those four villains. Okay, so we know who, which four villains are. But which one could it be? And then Batman's like, well, that shark was pulling my leg. The Joker! <laughs> Robin's, Robin's response is, now, imagine this. this. You're sitting in the middle of the police thing trying to figure out who the criminal is. Robin's next thing is, it happened at sea. C? C for Catwoman! <laughs> and they all don't bat an eye and go, oh my gosh, you're right. It's all a sinister riddle. Riddle, riddler! <laughs> Fishy how that happened to me. Like the penguin! And they suddenly go, oh my gosh, they must all be working together. <laughs> and this is how they, you know, any other police work that happens in any other kind of stuff, forget that. This is how it's done. You just randomly grab stuff out of the air, and you're right. Well, Doesn't Bat- matter what you're grabbing, you're right. <laughs> that means Batman and Robin, they're way better than Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the, their thought processes are beyond Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, forget all that deduction. You have to be, to, to get to the thought process of Batman and Robin in this movie, you have to be really drunk, hit on the head with a severe brain injury, and then maybe doped up a little bit after with some LSD, and then you can have the same thought processes of these guys. And the weird thing is, you'll always be right. Don't you, it doesn't matter how obscure, you will still always be right, no matter what. Don't you just leave like how they leave the bat bat uh, boat uh, docked? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> just two ropes on it. And it's like no one's gonna because nobody wants to touch it. It's a bat boat, man. You don't know what kind of fantastic devices are on there to stop you. It's like it's like Batman. The bat. Okay, let's talk about the vehicles. Okay, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I, I have to say myself personally, the Batmobile from this show is my favorite Batmobile. I don't know what it is. It's, it's a big Cadillac thing with fins and everything, but there's something about it that I love the look of. It's not a tank. It's not anything. It's just his car that is bat-shaped. Okay. Has all these great Are you saying out of all the Batmobiles ever been on screen, you would pick this one? Yes. Because maybe it's because it's my first, right? Mm. I, I don't know. But <laughs> the Batmobile Tim- that took your virginity, huh? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But the, t- I mean, the tumbler is cool, but it looks like a military vehicle, and it's like, it's overdone, right? Uh, the versions from you know the Burton films and then the later Schumacher films are, they're okay, nothing special. Um, you know the later, the latest one they had on the Batfleck uh, model with the guns and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Batman doesn't use guns on his vehicle. What are you talking about? Go away. So. Uh, well, and, and actually, they had guns on the other ones too. I mean, Batman blew up and killed a bunch of people in the Bat in the, the Burton film with explosives from the Batmobile. So, well, but you know what though, Batman who doesn't kill, he did threaten to kill them all. Remember? When oh yeah. Was... Well, no, he did as Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, he yeah, oh. and he only threatened to kill them with his dying breath. Oh, so, so maybe he was saying now. something oh. about how bad his breath is. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. That is. I will kill you with my dying breath. Oh, if you're killing us now, Bruce. Whoa. Now, what's okay? Let's talk about some of their plans to kill Batman. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the the uh, the 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 buoy where he had. They were stuck. The magnet. Magnetic. Yeah. Let's talk about yes. that scene. Okay. So. As we know, Batman is a great detective, and he's decided, he's found out that in the spot where the boat was, there is a illegal buoy in that spot. They had a picture from the Batcopter, and they saw the buoy. So they put in the coordinates and realized, hey, this is an illegal buoy. It shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So they get on the Batboat, go over there, figure they're going to get fingerprints off the buoy to figure out who is really behind. Because they want to make sure, right? They know they figured out the clues, but they need the proof. Because Batman, you know, is a duly deputized agent of the law in this series. So, he gets on there, and of course, Penguin in his submarine, which is an awesome submarine, painted to look like a penguin underwater, and has giant flippers on the back, (laughs) has a periscope that looks like a penguin, which Batman spots right away, and he flips a switch, and the magnetic buoy pins the two to the buoy, with from their utility belts, which you know, uh, normal people would take off the belts to escape. Batman and Robin seem incapable of doing that, <laughs> so they're trapped. And the bad guys decide instead of like popping up and shooting them, they're gonna fire torpedoes at the boy or sending their robotic shark uh bombs at them. Oh, yeah, they also found out that's where the shark was held because there was a cage under there, and Batman noted how. You know, these criminals don't care for life, you know, the sanctity of life because they, you know, that poor shark stuffed with TNT. So they actually felt bad for the shark they were fighting. Like, Batman didn't want to kill that shark. I told you he's the world's first animals rights activist. Yeah. So what happens? Penguin fires a torpedo (laughs) at Batman and Robin in the thing because why not? So luckily, Batman has freed a radio from his thing, which he realized if he just switches the polarity, because that's how these things work, <laughs> and gets the right frequency, he can set the torpedo off. 
And sure enough, Torpedo 1, boom, fires. The villains underwater were counting the torpedoes just like in the 1940s uh, U-boat movie. They're counting off and they realize the torpedo went off too soon. They look, oh, fire 2. Batman does it again. Fire 3. <laughs> and, and one of these wonderful moments in this thing, Batman suddenly realizes it's not working. Confounded, the battery's dead. <laughs> So it looks like our heroes are finished because they can't stop it. And suddenly, boom, it blows up. And it's like, oh, no. The villains look and the boy's still sitting there. But no Batman and Robin. And we find out as they're booting it away on that Batboat. And, man, that thing was moving fast. I mean, that was skipping over the water. I would love to be in that Batboat. And Robin, you know, decides in a bit of exposition to explain how they got out of that. Wait, I have the clip right here. Let me play it. Oh, please. Gosh, Batman. Nobility of the almost human porpoise. True, Robin. It was noble of that animal to hurl himself into the path of that final torpedo. He gave his life for ours. <laughs> uh, we barely heard it here, but yes. <laughs> yes, the porpoise came out of nowhere and decided, I, that's Batman, I better save him. He's in trouble. He sacrificed his life to save Batman. It's just like, okay, that's the strangest Deus Ex Machina I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> I'm saved ex by machina. a porpoise. Por but at this least he didn't machina. die without porpoise. Oh. But no. I'm a... <laughs> porpoise Ex Machina. <laughs> porpoise Ex Machina. <laughs> I'm going to trademark that. Why did I even need a narrator? When Batman pretty much gives you the whole exposition in Robin of everything that's going on, they just pretty much tell you. Well, they didn't use the narrator as much as they normally do with the show. Um, yeah, they, I know they did in the beginning. I, I, it didn't stick out to me, so there might have been some moments there they used the narrator. I, I don't remember. They don't even need it. I mean, they're pretty much telling everything. Like, oh, we're going to oh, do yeah. this because of this, of this, of that. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, they had to explain it because don't forget. For regularly 60s. functioning people, none of this makes any sense. In the so 60s, we have to everybody understand was high. how their world works. In, in the 60s, everybody was high, too. Yeah, I'm sure that <laughs> was that. There's that. Well, That's a good but, point. So the villains realize, oh, we haven't killed Batman, so what do they do? Well, Riddler fires off a Polaris missile. <laughs> Holy to Polaris! Kill Batman? Holy Polaris! Yeah, to kill Batman? No! No, to write out some clues. <laughs> because, as you know, Riddler has to give away what they're doing. So, Batman's like, oh my gosh. And he gets this. And the first thing he does is goes and finds out, well, we got to find out who's got this submarine that fired on us. He calls up the Pentagon. And the general, or the admiral, and his assistants are literally playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> which is a joke, you know, about they used to say about you know all these guys just sit around playing tiddlywinks well they're literally playing tiddlywinks he calls them and says did you sell any uh, uh pre-war submarines in the last week or so hold on a second batman oh yes we did just last week to a mr p n Gwynn. p n Gwynn? did he leave an address nope just a p-o and batman says the thing that we'd all think it's like you sold a submarine to a guy who only gave you a P.O. box. <laughs> the hell are you think? Wait a minute, he sold it to you. <laughs> no, no, he ain't Ben. He ain't Gwen. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's, 
that's the other thing that goes on in this movie so much is that the idea of identities and it's a running joke through the whole thing now let's talk about nobody I'm sorry go ahead let's talk about miss kitka which well, this is part of that oh, okay go ahead sorry so you've got Miss Kitka, who is actually Catwoman, playing this Russian woman. Now I love this part. Oh, you just spoiled it. Batman. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, sorry. It, there's nothing to spoil. You saw her in the beginning saying, I'm Catwoman, and then you see this person who's dressed in a leopard suit and who says things like perfect and everything else. What else could she be? So you've got her that Batman does not recognize as his archenemy Catwoman. Now maybe it's because Julie Newmar played her in the series, <laughs> and so. But he, he remembered. Yeah. But he recognized uh, the Penguin, though. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because he, he knew the Penguin. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, you've got Bruce Wayne that nobody recognizes as Batman, even though they have the exact same voice and almost the exact same mannerisms. <laughs> you've got Miss Kitka, who Batman cannot recognize as Catwoman, even though he had sort of an affair with Catwoman in the show, but now suddenly he doesn't know who she is. Okay, fine. She doesn't know it's Bruce Wayne as Batman. Fair enough. We're supposed that's the one thing we always get, go with. They're never gonna put the two and two together. That's fine. But the fact he can't do that. But then Penguin dresses up later on as Commodore Schmidlap, who has been kidnapped. And they recognize him right away, but they need, for some reason, to prove that this guy is Penguin and not Commodore Schmidlap. Despite the fact he's got the long nose, he's got the monocle and the cigar, and the only thing different is he's wearing a captain's hat and blazer. (laughs) And then, the thing that tops it all off about identities in this movie, the villains at the end, as they're breaking into the United Nations, or United World Headquarters, as it's called in this world, all are wearing masks. They're wearing, like, eye masks. Even the Joker. The Catwoman, okay, that's what she wears. The Joker, the Riddler, okay, I guess that's what he wears. But the Penguin is also wearing it, as if we got to disguise ourselves as we're sneaking in here so no one recognizes. The guy with the white face and ch- green hair in the purple loud suit is wearing a diamond-eyed ma- mask thing to hide his identity. And it's like, this is like this is the madness of this movie. It's like, what? Why are you doing that? Because we don't want to be recognized. And, that's, and it's like, but you're all recognizable. How could we not recognize you just because you're putting on a stupid mask? And that's the beautiful thing. It's like, yeah, exactly. Look at Robin. How do you not recognize? Because he's got that stupid mask on? And if you can recognize Robin, then it shouldn't be a far cry from recognizing Batman. And so it, the movie makes a light and makes a joke of the whole idea of the secret identity and how it's kind of ludicrous because it's pretty obvious. If you know a person, it doesn't matter how they dress. If you know a person because you've dealt with them, you're not going to be fooled because they're wearing a mask. Like later on, of course you change your voice. Okay. I'm Batman. I'm I'm different. Or I'm Batman. You don't know who I am. It's like, okay, that's fine. It sort of gets away, but you still see that lower part of the face. And there's certain things like Christian Bale has a very specific set of teeth that you can recognize anywhere and a very uh, lisp that he has a sort of lisp thing going you go okay i know who that guy is i don't care if he's wearing a rubber mask and i think this movie is one of the first times that they're they're playing with the whole idea it's like secret identities are just silly 
Now, if you had Superman in the movie, they'd make even more fun of it. The whole idea, you just take off the glasses and suddenly oh, he's a totally different person. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about, let's go back to the Miss Kitka part. Um, oh, sorry, I went on too far. Go ahead. No, 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 uh, I want to get your uh, thoughts, Alan, uh, about uh, the whole Miss Kitka. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I love the scene where um, Robin is in the car with Alfred and he, you know, he doesn't want to watch. Oh, yeah, sorry. He looks Alfred like he's jealous. A mask. Yeah, he looks like he's jealous. Like, like maybe he wants to be kissing Batman instead of Miss Kicka. But, uh, <laughs> like, what you what you think about that whole scene? And then, uh, I just love. And we were talking about this before the show. Uh, I'll, I'll play the the clip. Uh, hopefully, you guys can hear it. But uh, hold on a second. Let me play this clip. And all my days are trances. And all my nightly dreams are where thy dark eye glances and where thy footstep gleams. O Chinpriyatni, comrade Wayne. Edgar Allan Poe, Miskitka. To one in paradise. First stanza. Uh, yeah, the, the question is who quotes Alan, Edgar Allan Poe before they're about to have sex? That is the <laughs> most bizarre scene ever. Like, like I know something. It's probably the most true Batman scene because the the guy is demented and he is dark, and that's the first time they allude to his darkness uh, in the show. Is that bit there? Because that is ladies, Batman. Ladies, if you're about to have sex with a guy and he starts quoting the Telltale Heart or the Raven or something, <laughs> <laughs> leave. The guy's a weirdo. <laughs> Dude, see, I, I actually would go uh, a slightly in a different step. Of course, you know, this is me. But that speaks volumes of intelligence. Oh, so, God. I mean, I didn't even know that Batman had that level of sophistication in him. Oh, yeah. He's memorized he everything. Oh. He's memorized every piece of literature oh. that's ever existed. Oh, it's funny how... Him creating shark repellent doesn't uh, impress you, but him quoting Edgar <laughs> no, Allan Poe no, before he's about to get laid. <laughs> that that just but, does yes, it for you. About Edgar Allan Poe, and I'm suddenly... I, I think I'm more impressed like, by the shark repellent us. that he came up with, okay? That's more impressive <laughs> than quoting Edgar Allan Poe before he's about to get laid. That's well, not laid. Okay, okay. That's well, not getting laid well, well, poetry or well, writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wait, is for wait, him. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait let, 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 let's just set the stage properly, okay? First of all, you're talking to a Hawaii chick, okay? And so, I, I mean, I get that people are afraid of sharks, but I'm not really afraid of a rubber shark. So I'm not really <laughs> sure that the whole bat shark repellent thing... You would be that. if it was attacking you. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a rubber shark. I don't know, man. There's some, there's some, and it's an exploding rubber shark, too. So you gotta Yeah, think it's that. not just your regular <laughs> rubber which, shark. Which, which sort of begs the question, why does an exploding rubber shark work? Why does shark repellent work with an exploding rubber shark? Because it's mean, a train exploding rubber shark. <laughs> so, my question, let me ask Alan, our guest. One of the constant comments throughout this movie, uh -huh. one of the constant comments throughout this movie was, oh, science. <laughs> there, there is none, so, yeah. Let me ask Alan this, and then I want you to get your give your thoughts after you answer this question on the Miss Kitka whole uh, side plot. Uh, you're, you wouldn't quote Edgar Allan Poe before, you know, special time no i wouldn't i i don't think i would have i'd be able to get away with it like like batman does in your <laughs> hero 
that's the thing. I think I think he has a pass. <laughs> he gets like, a pass. I don't think. But I remember, can. he wasn't Batman. Well, then he was a billionaire. So I guess if you're a billionaire, right? Oh, he was only a millionaire. Oh, oh, he was only a millionaire on that show. That's right. Yeah, he was only a millionaire. Oh, my bad. Inflation. So what, the other way. So what do you think about the whole Miss Kitka? You know, he fell in love with Miss Kitka, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I liked it. I, I will say, and this is uh, toward, like, the beginning of the movie, like, when the whole thing started, uh, for a while, it took, I kind of got thrown off, like, once she was Catwoman, because I had it'd been a long time since I had seen it, so I just thought, oh, uh, I didn't recognize her at first. I was like, oh, that was Catwoman. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So already like, in the beginning, that that uh, the disguise was really good. But then, yeah, I mean, the, the scene itself, like, it was it was kind of par for the course with a lot of things in the movie. But I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't um, it wasn't something that stood out over, like, other other parts of the film for me. Mm. And, um, like, actually, uh-huh, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, during that scene, too, there's a, a great subtle moment, not for the kids, but for the adults, where Batman's, where she's got him closing his eyes and seeing things, and he's and the story comes to a climax, and she says, not so soon, not so soon. <laughs> yeah. Now, and the whole thing is, like, she's trying to send a sm- message off and have him not go, but it was obviously sexual innuendo going on there. <laughs> where it's like, oh, Batman's about to go a little too soon for the, oh, no, no, slow it down. Okay, I'll slow it down. Men and, and one of my favorite one of my favorite throwaway lines. I don't know if you guys caught it, but when Robin's reporting in, he says, "We're passing by Benedict Arnold Monument." Yes, I, yeah, I, I, I remember that. that. I yeah. love that line. It's like so in Gotham City, there's a monument to Benedict Arnold. I love it. I love it. I well, love this it. side of the border is a patriot, but hey, he cited the right side at that time. But you know. Yeah, and his uh, and his um, the the statue on his desk that he uses to uh, to um, open up the what do you, what do you call it the bat? Shakespeare yeah the the, the bat poles yeah bat, yeah the bat poles yeah I, yeah I thought that was that's pretty cool too um, oh yeah Shakespeare yeah 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 that's dope because uh, you know it's you know it's deep when you quote Edgar Allan Poe and you have Shakespeare statue it that makes it more you know yeah posh. he's a very sophisticated person. very much more posh. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay, in the so, series, he had so precocious. Mil- it's crazy. Oh, actually, oh, in the movie too. Here, here's how posh he is. They're in this fancy restaurant. What's he holding up? He's holding this big brandy sifter, and what is it in it? Milk, right? Milk. Yeah, milk. <laughs> and he's swirling it around. He's, it's like <laughs> I'm suave oh, oh, with my milk. Oh, we're gonna get to what, what he thinks about drinkers a little bit later, but. <laughs> but uh, we'll save that. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But uh, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, he was drinking milk. I was like, what? That's yeah. And those bizarre. are the kind of things that there's nothing. And that's the beautiful thing about this movie is there's all this weird stuff happening that if you go back and you look at it again and you watch, there's all these weird little things happening that they don't point to. They don't go, oh, look at this. <laughs> he's drinking milk. No, he's just doing it. He's holding a big and it's just sitting there and he's doing the swirling as if it's brandy, but it's milk. Because he's such a plain, boring, you know, person. How, how would you? How would you, okay? Let me ask uh, Jen this, and then I'm gonna go to uh, everybody else. But how would you? Ex- how would you? Uh, how would you say the relationship between? Uh, how would you describe the relationship between Batman and Robin, based on this movie? Hmm. Well, 
I mean, oh boy, that's tough. I, I, I mean, I know that they're supposed to be sort of like mentor and mentee, mm-hmm. but mentos. It, <laughs> yeah, but God, it, yeah, there is something. Okay, I, please don't send me hate mail. I, I, I promise this really comes from a position of love. There is something slightly homoerotic <laughs> about the really? two of them together. Yes, but it's it's innocent and it's not. It doesn't. I, I God, you know what's the? That. You know how in you know how in Greece, and I don't know if you ever studied this, but <laughs> we'll you know, really in, get ancient, to it now. <laughs> in ancient Greece, there was like there was like a I think there was a word for it, but it's like. Do you it, like gladiators? Better ass. It's not. It's not. I don't really mean that it's like quasi-sexual as much as it is just sort of like there's something sort of uh, reminiscent of a, a strange form of affection for each other. But I personally, I loved it. I mean, I actually like this Batman and Robin dynamic better than I like any other Batman and Robin dynamic that I've seen ever portrayed. So she, so she said she so, she prefers a, uh, a Brokeback whole, Mountain feels, version. No. <laughs> you, no, 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 it's no, not see, that at all. Not that's not it. It's it, that no. That is that's why I said it's. There's nothing. There's no sexual tension between the two of them. But there is some kind of like it. it it's not brotherly love. It's not just the love that you feel for. So there's something bonding the two of them. But it's awesome because it's so. Um, not naive. There's something so innocent about it. No, okay, so I'm not a big comic book person, so uh, we have our comic book expert on the show. Uh, did you read a lot? Of, I, I'm going to imagine you read a lot of Batman, right? Uh, um, I've, yeah, I've read some. Uh, not as much as like some other books, but yeah, I've, I've read some Batman. So w- what is your take from the comic books about Robin? And I'm going to ask uh, King about Batman and Robin's relationship and and him as a superhero himself. Right. Yeah, because there there have been so many iterations of it from the comics to the TV shows, the movie to the cartoon. Um, I think at its base, like I always looked at it as sort of like a father son mm-hmm. relationship. Um, looking at it here, just because obviously you know Bert Ward's like much much older, it's like this like <laughs> adult like father adult son relationship i always thought kind of like that like it's like oh you know holy whatever batman it's like man you're like 45 years old <laughs> and it's like like aren't you out of the house yet it's one of those things that's why i saw it because i've seen other iterations where it's like a father-son thing and i look at that and i try to put it in there but in like a, in a joking manner so i always thought of it like that mm. and and what do you think about him as robin himself as a comic book character He's always, I, you know what? I always like this version because, un, unless, like in the comics, he later becomes Nightwing. Unless he's in the Nightwing persona, he's always just going to come off as kind of goofy. So why not just embrace it? Mm-hmm. So I like this version. Mm. What, what about you, King? Uh, what's, what's your well, take on Robin and Batman's relationship? Okay, uh, a I don't see it as homoerotic. <laughs> I, I see it honestly, uh, and I think what she was. What Jen was describing is the kind of thing they talk about that happens in warfare uh, between men. Where you get this strong bonding, and it's it's a type of love, but it's not a sexual love. It's, it's right. this whole kind of idea that these guys are fighting together, they're doing things together, and there's this bond between them. That's a very strong bond that you know they would do anything for each other to save each other, and they, they you know they care about yeah. each other. 
but it's not a sexual thing. So it's not a homosexual kind of thing. And that's not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing that it is or not isn't. But I'm saying this is not the relationship. At least in this iteration here, it's not the relationship. Now, in the past comics, it was kind of a weird pedophile thing going on because Batman and Robin slept in the same bed. But I think that was intentional. It was just at the time, you know. But anyways, but with this series, it's obviously two people that you know. They care about each other. They're trying. They're sticking up for each other. They're working together, doing, you know, fighting the most ridiculous crimes on the face of the planet. I mean, I think what's in this universe, because the, in the very first show, he actually does say his father and mother were murdered by a dastardly criminal, which is why he, you know, he's always been to fighting crime. I think he actually was so successful, he rounded up all the real criminals and locked them up. And then was like, I still have to fight crime. I can't, can't can't get rid of this itch. And then just started going after all these weirdos that kept coming up. And then he put away. But it's like, well, that's not really a crime. So we're letting him out in five weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but I'm going to get him next time. And I think that's the reality. But as far as the Batman and Robin thing goes, you know, I think it's just two really close friends that, you know, and I it, there's a bond between them. And as actors, there's this great chemistry between the two. That can be seen in that way, in you know, you go, oh, you know, there's something going. But it's it's just a great chemistry. They play off each other so well mm. that I, you know, as someone and, who's not aware of the comic books, I, I I just wonder was Batman and Robin ever at seriously at odds with each other in in any yes. kind of chemistry? In fact, in 1968, I've got a comic. I'm a huge Batman fan, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I've got comics from the 60s and 70s, which oh, were my wow. favorite era because I was growing up then. Um, and there was this one two episode uh two uh issue uh, uh one where batman and robin basically robin punches batman in the face and runs out walks out on him and had enough of he'd had enough of being the sidekick and that plays up in the comics over and over again where this whole thing of for the longest time robin was the sidekick and now he wants to step out on his own because he's getting older and that was kind of an interesting dynamic um and you've got new robins coming in you've had like three different robins since then uh, not Dick Grayson Robin, as we know him there, but there's, you know, a few others, Jason Todd, who was murdered by the Joker in the 80s, and, and that whole nice dark time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is what I like about this film, and just stepping aside for a second, I'm almost tired of the completely serious, serious view of comics. Like, I love comics. Don't Don't get me wrong. I think they're great. Uh, and you know, they, there's some great stories out there. Some great serious stuff. The Frank Miller stuff, The Dark Knight Returns, and and uh, The Killing Joker. Some really, really interesting stuff. I've got one called Arkham Asylum, which is this weird art that is just it's a disturbing, dark story, and it's I love that stuff. But sometimes these movies take themselves so seriously that it's it's almost ridiculous, and and. What I liked about this film is it says, yeah, this is what this is the extreme that happens when you take it too seriously, because it is innately silly in a way. People dressing up in costumes and beating each other up is kind of silly. We like it. We can, you know, suspend reality. But deep down, we know there's a bit of silliness to the whole thing. And so to have this much gravitas on everything they do and to take everything so serious and people lose it. Like I remember when the uh, 80s, uh, sorry, 89 movie came out, everybody 
turn their backs on the whole Adam West thing. They're just like, thank God we got rid of this. We don't want to have this stupid silliness. And now I'm looking at it after years of this going on. I'm like going, I like going back to that because it didn't take itself seriously. It, it, it was, and the one thing about this movie I'll say over all the Batman movies, and you know, I'll say there are superior Batman movies. I'll say I like Tim Burton's movie. I like, I love the Nolan version of Batman, but this movie was fun. You sat there and you enjoyed yourself watching it. It wasn't, you didn't feel bad after it's all said and done. You weren't like, oh, look at the torture and everything. You just sat there and you enjoyed yourself. And that's, that's what comics were at one point. They were fun, which is why I'm kind of looking forward to the Shazam movie that's coming out because that actually looks like it's going to be fun. And that's what's missing these days. I mean, yes, Marvel sort of has its sort of quirky humor thing, but at the same time, they still have this really serious side to it, too, that's going, hey, take us seriously. We're, I know we're guys in costumes, but you have to take us seriously. It's like, no, let's have some fun. And this movie was fun. You can disagree, by the way. <laughs> no, I, I think that... Uh... Uh, I mean, I agree with you, but I ain't gonna lie. To you. I, I like the serious tone of Batman, uh, but I hear sure. what you're saying about the, uh, the you know the, it is at the, at the end of the day, it is a comic book, and it you know. Maybe... And that's, but that's I mean, comic books as a medium are great. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. to knock them. Say, oh, it's silly stuff. It's not because, and I'm sure our guest here is going to agree that you know, no, hey, this you can't just knock this. It's not. Uh, uh, a secondary art. It's not. It's great. There's some great art that comes out of it. There's some great stories that come out of comics. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, but if you think about it, uh, the superhero stuff is, if you think about it, it's guys getting in costumes and beating each other up is the basic core of comics. And it's, it, in its heart, it's, it is silly. In, in the superhero comic version. Wait a minute, I, I would definitely do that. I'd put on a suit and beat people. Yeah, up. it'd be fun. Yeah, and absolutely, it's it's great to just. What's good about the Shazam movie is that I think these they're finally finally embracing it. I mean, there's silly parts yeah. to it, but just it's that's not that's not a bad thing. That's not to say no. it's a bad thing. It's like that's just what it is. So exactly. embrace it and and you know show that to people when you're afraid of it. That's when it's annoying. I've there are so many, you know, Daredevil and all those movies. A lot of movies that were afraid to even show a costume or show like an actual origin. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, no, that's just this. It's based off a of comic. That's what it is. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, no. And, no, and there's, there's there's some superhero films that take themselves sort of seriously and sort of like Spider Man Two is one of my favorite. One of the uh, best superhero movies films. ever. Comic book movies ever. Yeah, and and it's got heart and everything. And you know, yeah, sure, it's a silly thing, and they, but at least it sort of embraced itself too it it if you look at it spider-man at least is wearing a spider-man costume there's a, there's sort of a three-color look to it almost to the extent and i love that movie and you know and it does take itself seriously at times but it's also got sam raimi directing it so he's got that winking thing going too where he's like yes it we're, we want to talk about serious things but don't get too serious about it because it's still just a story you know kind of thing but um the thing I loved about this, this was a three-color comic brought to life. It was all of the weird, ridiculous stuff that comes from the older comics, the you know, of the time, done straight. You know, nobody's laughing or, or overdoing their lines. They're just saying them straight out. And that's where the fun and the silliness comes from. Because it's like, 
the plot is the villains want to conquer the world by ransoming off the head of the United Nations. Oh, sorry, United World um, Security Council. So how they dehydrate them um, to kidnap them, and that's their plot. And everyone's worried that this plot is going to lead to them ruling the world. How does it matter? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, As, actually, I, I think that's like one of the best plots ever for any uh, movie. Uh, I mean, who would have ever thought to dehydrate people to the point that they turned into dust? <laughs> and I love how they mix it up at the end and it's like oh well we're just gonna you know we're gonna be inconspicuous and uh, go out the freaking window. window like how's that I mean, inconspicuous by the way you going out the, the window in that universe it is in that universe <laughs> it's like okay if we walked out the door they'd watch us walk out the door we're going down the elevator they'd see us and be like having. I mean imagine if they did it the proper way so you watch Batman and Robin walk out the door Press the button to the elevator, wait for the elevator, get in the elevator, press the button, wait to get down to the bottom, stroll out through the front. It's like, no, that's not how heroes do anything. So we're going to be inconspicuous by going out the window by a rope. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, when I visit your house, King, I'm Mm going to, instead of going out the front door like a regular uh, person, I'm going to go out your front window. Well, that's fine. You might you might get a couple of my neighbors raising their eyebrows. <laughs> why, why is there a man walking, breaking out of the window there? But <laughs> I'm a propel out the window. <laughs> yeah. That'll be okay. I don't care uh, if it's I don't care if it's a one story. Uh, I'm just going out the window <laughs> like Batman because that's inconspicuous. You know, that's uh, you don't draw any attention to yourself doing that. Not at all. If if you propel out the window, you may draw some interesting. You know scrutiny if you repel out the window then <laughs> it might be fine but you know we got to talk about the bomb scene that yes. is hilarious okay. that, is the, that, yeah. that was great we've talked around everything the key biggest funniest line best scene in the movie is yes that whole setup and everything so to get the story so Bruce Wayne's on a date with Kitka. Obviously, it was a, a trap to get Bruce Wayne caught. The criminals all capture Bruce Wayne, take off on flying umbrellas, because that's what criminals do. They go back to the lair. They're waiting for Batman to come to rescue Bruce Wayne, not knowing that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. So, oh my gosh, how do they get him? You know. So, eventually, Bruce Wayne fights his way out. A man gets thrown into the waiting arms of an exploding octopus. Batman and Robin return back to the criminal's lair to rescue Miss Kitka. <laughs> now that you take it from here, Kente, because this is your favorite bit. Oh, yeah. So Batman finds a bomb and not just a bomb, not like a, a bomb that, you know, uh, like you've seen in a lot of movies of late. The old school cartoon bomb with the <laughs> <laughs> with the big ball, the big black ball, and the the fuse go. <laughs> and he, so he he goes downstairs of this building, and it happens to be a bar or a tavern, and there's a bunch of people in there drinking. So he realizes he can't let the place blow up because those are people there, and we'll get to why what he feels about those people. So he literally runs on this uh, dock trying to find a place to get rid of the bomb. He he almost runs into some uh, nuns. He says, oh, I can't go that way. There's uh, 
there's a woman push a woman pushing a um uh what do you call those things with the baby carriage it? baby carriage thank you I, yeah. obviously I don't have no kids uh the baby carriage she's like he's like I can't go that way then he goes uh he throws it, he's he's going to throw it off the the port and wait, but wait, you forgot about you forgot about the band oh yeah there's the band he can't throw it there <laughs> the, what was it not the um, oh what's the name of the group Salvation Army band right Salvation and, Army and, and, and they're doing bringing in the sheets so every so often you all hear as he's running I mean okay for people who haven't seen this and YouTube it folks oh, it's because classic. it's worth seeing here's Adam West in full Batman regalia with this <laughs> the cartoon bomb over his head it's not a cartoon but it's like cartoon like bomb over his head with the two hands running around running into all these people and then of course he gets to the end of the dock and can't take go ahead so he He's going to throw it, and then he sees that there's like a couple in a boat kissing. He can't throw it there. And the funniest thing is he's about to throw it in his other, pl- other, uh, you know, off the pier or whatever, uh, somewhere else. And there's like a little school of ducks there. And he's like, <laughs> I, you know, like I said, he's the animal rights activist, so he can't let those ducks blow up. So finally, off screen, you hear this boosh. Oh, but you know, before that, no, come on. You have, you have to pay off. He stands, looks towards the camera, oh, yeah. and just and says the immortal lines: "Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb." Right. <laughs> That's right. Like, like that. Who writes that? Like, they must have been high as hell, those writers. But okay. Oh, so then, having fun. That sounds so, like the most. So then we find, So then we find out that, and and through exposition, of course, as said by Batman, uh, Robin, you know, catches up with him and. And we find out through Batman that once he threw it off the pier, that he hid he hid behind these uh, metal bars, and that's why he wasn't uh, affected by the blast. And then I have the uh, I'm gonna play this clip, which is the funniest moment of the whole all of the movies that we've done this year. So here we go. You risked your life to save that riffraff in the bar. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. <laughs> they may be drinkers, but they're human beings. That I, I literally, I, I didn't even remember this from seeing it, <laughs> or maybe it went over my head the first time because I was pretty young. I literally yeah. fell out my seat and died on the floor. When... <laughs> but and that's but the, the the earnestness of this Batman is what I love most of all. It's like he believes all this stuff. I mean, this is his. They name. may it's be like drinkers. All... Yeah, but they're the, human the fact that he, he would sacrifice himself to save a family of ducks, you know, it's like, this guy is just too good for this world, really. Oh, my God. I cried laughing. That even, was so even funny. Robin was like, you know, he let the, the drink. Ah, the, they're just a bunch of riffraff in the bar. And it's like, you know, come on, Robin. So was Robin. Yeah, what have I taught you? Come on. So, These are people. so would Robin have been okay if Batman said, oh, "I just let them drunks blow up"? He would have been totally he fine. <laughs> he would have been like, like, "Let's get out the window, Batman." <laughs> so Come that's on. why I drink milk because uh, I'm not. I don't want to be riff raff. Out of a sifter, I, 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 my 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 crest on my jacket says cheeseburger unum. You know, it's <laughs> it's this guy. Just you know, he is too good for this world. He really is. Oh, he cares, and he's always teaching Robin. You know, Robin has always got to learn a lesson from Batman. So, so what if Christian Bale's Batman? At what point would he have thrown the bomb? Uh, oh, he wouldn't have. He would be like, "I don't have to kill you, but I'm not going to save you." <laughs> <laughs> really? 
that man, come on. Well, he would have at least tried to save the riffraff. He would have. Uh, the ducks uh, might have been dead. No. Oh, well, I can't save you. Bye. I don't know. Christian Bale one. I mean, it's the first scene he throw that bomb. <laughs> yeah. Ducks. Uh. <laughs> I just love like he just like he saw them ducks and he was like, I mean he was as concerned he was, as he was of I everybody else. Watching, and I just loved watching him running around that pier and the, the sudden stops he'd have to do. You know, it was like over exaggerated to an extent. It's hilarious, you know. And, and it wasn't that he just ran into one and ran. Into, he ran into them like multiple times. It's like he suddenly went like, okay, I'll run this way. Oh no, wait, that's where the oh. And everybody started closing in on him. So that he, at one point, he's like, yes, like, instead of running, he's like doing stagger steps as he's trying to figure out where to go. And it's like, and the beautiful thing is, everybody is oblivious to what he's doing. Here's a man with a bomb in his hands running around, and nobody's like going, oh, my God, a bomb. A couple of people in the bar did. But if you notice, there was the two large ladies in the in the front, of the, in the foreground, eating. Them crab legs were good, though, huh? Yeah, that's shaving 101, I guess. But there they were eating, and they didn't even flinch. They just kept sitting there yeah, he, eating they like, chicken. I'll blow up for these crab legs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they must have been in New York because nobody cared. They were just like, whatever. <laughs> speaking of New York and nobody caring, so as the movie goes along, he's done that. He's escaped. They capture Penguin who's posing as Commodore Schmidlap, who was kidnapped. Mm -hmm. They get him to the Batcave. What they don't realize is Penguin's got a bunch of dehydrated pirates. Because what they stole from the Commodore, sorry for those who are we didn't explain this to, was his dehydrating machine for his distilleries. Um, so what it does is it takes all the water out of whatever they shoot, and apparently that turns you into powder. And all you do is add water, and somehow the powder puts you back into your regular form. Science. Yeah. Uh, so, what happens is Penguin brings along these vials and everything. This was his plan to be captured, get to the Batcave, so that he could, you know, rehydrate these pirates and attack Batman. So he gets to the back. He's on oh, thirsty, and he goes to the back. And what he doesn't realize he's done is accidentally switched the drinking water to heavy water, yeah. which apparently causes these guys to become atomically unstable. So that when they finally get into a fight, they all just pop like balloons suppose as they as robin describes it and making boyoying sounds every time they get hit um and it's really sad because basically batman and robin killed a bunch of people in that scene you know that's right huh they did they're murderers they should be yeah, in arkham though they did not they did not realize they were just trying to defend themselves of being attacked and did not realize they should be the put in arkham asylum because of that turn them to anti-matter and Robin's sitting there, you mean they won't be coming back? And Batman's earnest reply, not in this world. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, was, so they decide, okay, let, Batman's like, okay, let's uh, take Commodore Schmidlap back. He obviously was, you know, uh, had been hypnotized to bring these guys along, confusing both Penguin and Robin. And it was really a ruse because he knew that Penguin, when woken up, would knock them out with Penguin gas and steal the Batmobile, which he does. Let, let me ask you, can I ask you a quick question, though? Yeah, shoot. If you guys are, if you were walking through some shrubbery 
<laughs> and you saw the bad the bad cycle underneath some shrubbery. Would you uh, would you have to hop no. on it? You wouldn't no. hop on it. No, because Batman will find you in this universe. <laughs> in this universe, the Batman universe that exists in this movie, Batman always knows. It doesn't matter how obscure you make something; he will figure it out. Because if you like accidentally left a nose hair on the the ground. He wouldn't take a DNA test and figure it out. He would basically say nose hair, nose street, 22nd and 3rd. He's there and would find <laughs> you. And there's nothing you could do about it. It's like, how'd you figure it out? Because of that nose hair you left. What nose hair? What are you talking about? No, what? what? And it's like, because he cannot do wrong. So you don't touch his stuff. You just don't. You got to hop on it and take a selfie, though. <sighs> Good luck with that. It'll probably <laughs> it'll probably spring you into the ocean because <laughs> he's got everything. He's he's prepared, right? Uh, Jen would hop on. I I see Jen as a hopper on her. Yeah, I think you might be right. So yeah, then Jen, I just hop on. Alan, you hop on too, right? You got to take a selfie. Yeah, yeah, I would. Plus, this Batman, yeah, he go easy on you if you just hopped on. <laughs> yeah, that's true, citizen. I think you did a. I understand where you did, but don't do it again. <laughs> don't do it again. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I have to make a comment before we close. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam West's inflection reminds me so much of listening to William Shatner mm-hmm. that it's Funny almost like that. it's almost like Batman took like acting lessons from Shatner, or Shatner took acting lessons from Adam West. It's just it it's it really is striking. If you watch Batman and then watch an episode of Star Trek, you almost can't help but see the similarities. Okay, I'm going to do you one better and say forget that. In his last years, Adam West and Burt Ward did two animated shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, one called The Return of the, the Cape Crusaders and the other one called uh, uh, Batman versus Two-Face. They did the 66 Batman series in animated form with their voices and uh, Julie Newmar and the second one versus Two-Face, William Shatner plays Two-Face so you have both Adam West and William Shatner in the Batman series and Two-Face looks like Shatner would have looked in 1966 oh my god and it is amazing Uh, and it is great and his Adam West sounds old in that one and this is just prior to his death where and William Shatner though sounds like he did back then and does this great job playing the two parts that you know Harvey Dent and Two-Face but I, I would suggest Return of the Cape Crusaders is a better film because it basically says the 1966 Batman what would happen if something you know turned him a slightly darker and he starts so you hear Adam West spouting out lines like uh, no, this is an operating table, and I'm the surgeon, or whatever line that was from The Dark Knight uh, Returns. Or you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Oh, and he starts attacking, like he becomes this angry dark Batman. But it's the Adam West Batman as a dark Batman. It is funny as all hell. Um, and if you can rent it or or stream it it is funny and well worth it and it it brings back the old stuff plus 
all of the baggage that has come since not baggage but you know the whole batman mythos has come since it sort of acknowledges some of it too and this is very funny hmm. all right well we gotta wrap up the film before yes. we can wrap up this whole thing so let's see batman has uh or the, the villains have captured uh the uh the people batman is shot out of the sky in a helicopter to get to the united nations from a place where he crashed because luckily he hit some foam rubber which maybe he saw out of the corner of his eye he's not 100 percent sure and then my favorite scene the bat run oh. batman and robin running down the streets of new york well because they're in great shape so why yes. why call We're a cab tip top condition why get into a cab Let's just run. How many times have you said that? I have never said that. Why get in in our cars? You you ever say that to your son? Let's not drive. We're in tip-top condition. Let's run. Well, it's only a few blocks away, so I can understand it. Because if you get the cab, you're going to be stop and go, stop and go. And, you know, Robin would lose his mind because Robin is the very most impatient person in the entire universe, right? So, but what I loved about it is they sold the run. So they're obviously, it's a rear projection of the city behind them. And, and the rear projection has them in the middle of the street. So they're not just running down the sidewalk. They're in the middle of the street as cars are whizzing by, but they're selling it so well. Batman's kind of like cool. Robin is like, <laughs> and, I mean, if you can see my sky picture, that is the picture of Robin running, by the way. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is so funny. It's just because, at, and then the the other part of it is, and what makes it, me laugh about that is because I'm picturing the middle of real New York, two guys in a Batman and Robin costume start running down through the sidewalks because they couldn't run through the middle of the street, and you're watching New Yorkers of the time, kind of like look over the shoulder of these guys and then just kind of keep doing what they're doing because. Uh, all right, whatever. <laughs> these two guys in these most colorful, bizarre costumes just running down the streets of New York. And it's like a long shot. So, you know, it's like they don't see the crew around that would have taken that shot. So these people are just doing their everyday stuff. And these two lunatics start running through them. And they're like, yeah, oh, look, whatever. Cosplay. And not even cut. Co- no, <laughs> 1966. They're like, yeah, whatever. Takes all sorts <laughs> around here. Get out of here. Out of my way. You know what's funny, though? I feel like out here, somebody does that, I think it would get the same response. Well, yeah, it's because most people are... It's probably actors all trying to get a role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another actor. Okay. Or or somebody trying to get a couple of dollars so you pose beside them in their cheap knockoff costume. <laughs> so... So I guess this is a, the point where we get to uh, the, our scores, right? Yes. Yes, I guess it is. By the way, just to ruin everything for everybody, Batman and Robin, semi-triumph. Watch the movie to see how they failed. And, I, and I, I just love Johnson's their response, funny. too. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, well. You know, oh, no, they no, were like Batman's pretty much like, fuck it. So Batman, it's like, uh, probably it was supposed to be this way. This is probably a better thing that happened. Even we, <laughs> we fucked up. <laughs> Actually, you know what killed me the most? Sorry, I, I'm going to digress just for a few seconds. Um, the, when they're doing the whole thing where they're announcing to the world, right? And so they've got their president, who's obviously supposed to be Lyndon Baines Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's got the Texan accent. So 
Batman's like, we're preparing to hydrate, blah, blah, blah. And then everyone's like, they're preparing to rehydrate. They're preparing. And Lyndon Bain Johnson's response to the rest of the, <laughs> the world, we are preparing to, re- to rehydrate. It's like, we've done it. Success, success. We've done it. Success, success. It's like, wow, you're claiming success for the work of that guy? You didn't do anything. You just sat there with your beagle. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways, it was. I thought it was, they do some, some little clever um, satire of the day. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I thought was. So, we'll do meal first and then uh, our ratings. Uh, no, no, let's do the ratings and it'll give me a time to. Uh, oh, I think we do the meal so you can add. Uh, I keep forgetting uh, right, that. Right, right. Because I got to pull out my toes. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so let's do this. Let's start with Jen because ladies first. So, uh, take it. Oh, oh take sorry. it away, Jen. Okay. All right. So, uh, production quality. I gave a six. Uh, story, I gave a seven. Acting, I gave a five. I, 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 did, I mean, I gave it a five, but it's a loving five. I seriously, it's so well. It, for what it is, it's so funny, but it's just so hard to take serious. But overall entertainment value, I gave an eight. An eight, all right. I, I'm shocked by those scores. I really am. Just goes to show you can't tell what's going on in my brain. I, I can't. I think she just liked the whole Edgar Allan Poe uh, reading before. Yeah, I'm still stuck there. You're right. He read Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> You're giving him a five. Really? <laughs> you should have been Tolkien. <laughs> See, now if he had quoted Tolkien, yes, then I would have given him a way higher. You're right. Oh, that's how you get the the nerdy girl you uh, ready. You just start quoting Tolkien, huh? and that no, that geez, does it. no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's a no brainer. I need to go back and read some Tolkien then. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, so I'll I'll go back and do it. So, uh, uh, you know, what? we'll do me, and then um, we'll go to our guests. Um, so, I gave production quality a six. It was awesome uh, production quality. Uh, you gotta love that shark. Um, I gave the story. The story was—I mean, there was no story. <laughs> like, so I'd give it a five. Acting was so cheesy. I, I had to give it a five. Uh, but overall, entertainment value—it's a high eight. It was just—you know—just forget the story, the production quality, the acting. It was just enjoyable. <laughs> like, it was just an enjoyable. So. You know, it's not because of the story or the acting. It's just it had a quality about it that you just, you know, you have to just roll with it, you know. So I give it an eight. So, uh, uh, Alan, um, start off with production quality. What do you give it? Um, I'll give production quality. Uh, I give it like a seven. I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's a little because you know because when it was made you know obviously it has it has limitations but that's what's what's what i like about it mm-hmm. i mean just from the shark alone <laughs> the first part i mean that are already <laughs> is already for me um story i'd say like i'd say maybe like a six because i was so focused on everything else i mean it was just a you know, basic kind of goofy story so you know that was okay um Acting, I would give an eight just because I love just everyone. Just I love being everyone being so over the top. I just love that. 
Yeah. Uh, and overall entertainment value. Overall entertainment, I'd say I would give it um is there money going higher than an eight? Is that like a cap or no, 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 no whatever you want. 10. Up to ten. Uh, I would, uh, overall I'd give I'd do like a nine just because it's like we we're mentioning like it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like it just keeps your attention. <laughs> All right, that might might be one of the highest uh, overall scores. Let me see of any movie. And you know, and kudos to our guests because we have not had a guest uh, do point whatever. <laughs> like, I like that it's a solid number instead of I give it a six point four. <laughs> you know, or something like that. So, I, I'm. I, thank you. Makes Kente's job easier, right? Because uh, my toes. <laughs> okay, I can't do half a toe. Okay, I'm gonna do uh, mine. And I, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna sit here and say you're all on glue. You're talking about the drugs of the the people. I, I'm gonna say, production value. I'm giving it a nine. You gotta understand. Look at the the sets they have there. The Bat Cave. The uh, the the bar the Benbow bar that you saw there the bat boat that they created for it, the bat copter the bat cycle they all created for this they put a lot of effort and money into that and the sets and everything I don't think there's anything cheap and shoddy yeah the shark okay looked cheap the, but even the submarine the fight at on the submarine deck at the end was a, an amazing set yes okay the clouds in the background. You could see where they were in a tank and that the clouds were waving and everything. Oh, my God. But, I mean, the set, the, but the, you look at that sub that they created and everything, that was a lot of production value they put in there. So I, I, I'm going to give that a high. Story, okay, it is a patchwork of bizarre, but every set piece was funny as all hell. I'm giving that an eight. Acting, I'm giving it a nine. Oh, wow. You want to know why? Because... What they were given, you could really destroy. I mean, it's like, for example, the movie Airplane. The movie Airplane, if you had comedians doing the movie Airplane, they would have ruined the comedy because they would have played it broad. The reason that the movie Airplane was so funny is because you had straight actors playing it straight to a certain degree that made the bizarre lines even funnier. This is what's happening in this movie. Every one of these actors is not hamming it up and overdoing it, except for the villains are over-the-top crazy, but it works for what they are. And I'll tell you, each one of those performances is iconic because everyone from even Heath Ledger borrowed from Cesar Romero's version of the Joker. Because you'll see, he even uses his laugh a couple of times in The Dark Knight Returns. So you watch that, or Dark, Dark Knight, you'll see he does uh, use a couple of things from Cesar Romero's performance. It's iconic. Uh, Adam West and Burt Ward's chemistry is awesome in this movie. And you said there's never been a better version of Batman and Robin together, so definitely a high value. And then the overall entertainment is a solid 10. Ten. I love this film. I'm in- I don't think there's a boring moment in this film where I go, oh, okay, I'm getting tired of this bit. Get get on with anything. It moves. It's fun. It's funny. I have a great time watching it. I'm entertained every time. I don't sit there and I'm never. There's not. There's certain points in films where you kind of go, "All right, get on with it," or "Okay, I get where you're going with this." Whatever. This movie is just fun. It just goes and goes from set piece to set piece to set piece. 
and there's always something new and interesting to see in it. I love this film. Hands down, this is my favorite film so far. And that's where I'm at with this. So for you, this was Night of the Living Dead good. This is this is on par, if not a little bit better. I just there's just so much that's it's a high so, standard. It's a fun damn film. We talked about you know what we talked about, we said we all talked about how we enjoyed this film so much. Uh, this film, and it's like, well, there's got to be a reason for it. it, it and all of those parts make this film as good as it is. It is a funny film. And I think <laughs> it's one of the better ones for this season. And I will yeah. defend it. No, I definitely. Made- I'm, 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 I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up Airplane because the whole bomb scene reminds me of it, something in Airplane. <laughs> exactly. And it's that kind of sensibility. It's that. That that weird kind of taking the ridiculous and being completely serious about it, and you could, and if you do it right, it becomes hilarious, because you could overplay ridiculous to the point where it's like, yeah, okay, I get you're you're being jokey about it, but they mm-hmm. did it a certain way that just worked. And if you were to watch Adam West's and Burt Ward's uh, original screen uh, screen test versus uh, Lyle Wagner and I can't remember the other kid. And the other guys were playing it a totally different way. It's the same lines, the same weird bizarreness. But you could see right off the top where West and Ward got it and were able to make it funny with and play it the right way to make this absurd nonsense work. So uh-huh. that's me defending this whole thing because I, 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 I'm kind of surprised at the low scores. Yeah, I don't think they're low <laughs> scores yeah. at all. I wouldn't say that. Especially when you guys were saying acting five, and I'm like, okay, where was the weak part of the acting? Uh, uh, just didn't. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like the greatest acting ever. I mean, no, 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 cheesy. no. For what this movie was, they <laughs> they were doing the right performance. Like, where would you say which one was the weakest performance? Oh, this guy was just phoning it in, or he's not doing a good job. This is me actually defending. I've never done this, but I, I'm just going. Oh, I'm really surprised at the scores. No, the scores are high. Uh, how, me, how high fives. can you give it? When I hear fives and, and fours, I'm going, oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> look at him, he's I'm trying to bully defending. us into I, I love look this Look at him trying song. to bully. Apparently, I'm just trying to bring down some scores so that I know that Night of the Living Dead stays right up there. Well, Night of the Living Dead is up there. Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, I, I just have to make sure, you know, I got to do my little part. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm going to say, nothing coming up after this is, uh, possibly Flash Gordon is going to unseat Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> anyway, right, so let's do movies that make a meal, and I will tell you uh, where this ranks. Okay, movies that make the meal. And uh, once again, boy, forgive me for not posting the link right away. I'm having some technical and uh, personal time issues um, but it's I created a dish called uh, called capers crusader chicken oh can you do, do us a, can you do us a favor I'm so sorry can you explain uh, movies that make the meal and then yes movies that make the meal are is a, for me this is a companion to the movies that I watch know and love and I create recipes and dishes and theme ideas that go around movies so you mean if you're having a batman night you could look up batman and you'll find little ideas that i've created for batman um and so for this one 
that's what I created. It's it's for this one actually. I have I don't actually have a whole lot of uh, superhero stuff yet, but this one is actually pretty hard. Superheroes are tough, so I sort of went with a bit of a play on word because uh, obviously Batman is the caped crusader, so we have capers as the capers crusader chicken. It is really good, and if you've never had capers, expand your horizons. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice lemon butter sauce for the chicken. Everything is super creamy and sort of awesome, and you serve it on a bed of angel hair pasta. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Cannot go wrong. All right. All right, so let's get back to the scores, and um, we have a new number, uh, a new top two. Um. Okay. So. Well, I sorry, my earphones completely crapped out for a few minutes there. Can I hear that again? Yes, we have a new number two uh, film now. So remember, the top two movies have to you ha- they have to get in the top two to to be um, considered for uh, uh, the debate episode so we end the okay. season with a debate a episode. showdown showdown Big showdown and um so we have a new top two of course it makes perfect sense that i am turning away from where it was telling me the answer to that very, very, <laughs> smart. very smart very technical smart. difficulties all around yes so well uh, kente find the answer Okay, so, next week. Oh, sorry. so here we go. I'm sorry. I'm I'm adding it in as well as uh, so you got to forgive me. All right. So everything is there. All right. So our our um, before our two movies, uh, I hear a baby in the background. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you might excited just, baby. Just want to mute. Uh, well, OK, so uh, before our top two movies was Return of the Living Dead with 115 and um westworld what's 120 and batman got 116 which is a 72 percent cheese rating so batman so now the final two uh so far is batman and westworld so if it would if it was going to end tonight it would be between batman and westworld so no uh return of living dead i'm sorry yeah I'm I'm sad. I, I quit. Rage uh, <laughs> so right now, a movie has to break the at least the one sixteen uh, to get in the top two. So uh, I'm will tell you what the final movies are that we're going to be covering next week. Mm-hmm. We will be covering the Poseidon Adventure. Our special guest will be Sherry Andrea. So uh, looking forward to having her on the Disaster show. Disaster at sea. Yes. Oh, speaking of which. We were talking about airplane. Leslie Nielsen's in that movie. Yes, he is. Nice. Uh, our, and then uh, we're also going to be covering uh, Flash Gordon, nineteen uh, eighties awesome. Flash Gordon, and then our final movie is Battle Beyond the Stars. So um, those are the last three movies. So if one of those movies can top one sixteen, they will be added into the final two. But um, it looks, you know, uh, maybe Westworld might stay in there. We'll see. But it should be a good final. So uh, if it were to end today and uh, it was Batman versus the Westworld, that's a good final. So it would be an uh, interesting final. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But um, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, and 
also, I just want to say this before we say goodbye, is that we will be doing our final. Uh, I mean, uh, we will be doing our season three coming soon after season two. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but we we need uh, some ideas for um, uh, movies. So if you guys out there listening want us to do a movie now, it has to be a film that was shown in the theaters before uh, 1990. So 1989 and up to if it was yeah. back during the Adam and Eve times, it's cool. But it can't be any movie from 1990. Now, I know why I've you're already, saying that, and I'm still going to sneak that one in. I, I've already picked my two that I'm going to uh, add as contributions. But I looked, and Jason Takes Manhattan was made was, was released in 1989. So don't make me um, put that in. Uh, change one of my movies to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tempted. It had you know that's like one of the my favorite uh, scenes in a terrible movie. <laughs> so, is yeah. Leprechaun in the Hood outside of that area? Uh, we're gonna say it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was made okay. in '64. <laughs> oh, oh my sorry, god, no, that's great. 2064. Wait a minute, because it would be <laughs> eligible. It'd be eligible. So let's. let's well, it. you know, because it, it it hits all the right marks. It's sizest and racist at the same time. Right, yeah. And everything else is offensive that you can make about a film. Yeah, we're going to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, um, let's start off with our, our special guest. Uh, Alan, how can people get you on social media and all that stuff, and what should we be on the lookout for coming from you? Well, you can find me on Facebook uh, at uh, Carter Comics and on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Carter Comics One. And you can find me at uh, Power Morphicon on, I believe, August 17th, 18th, 19th, and at Anaheim Convention Center. That'll be my next show. Now, where's that at again? Uh, Anaheim Convention Center. Okay. Uh, who knows? I might, I'm going to try to get out there. There's an, an event coming up on the 2nd, I think, or the 4th. Uh, no, it's on a Saturday. So, oh, it's this weekend. Um, there's some event coming up. Uh, do you know about it? You know what I'm talking about on the 4th? Uh, Alan, it's like it's some kind of con that uh, Joe Williamson was talking about. But anyway, uh, I might check that out as well. But um, all right. So uh, make sure you go out and check it out and get his uh, books. Uh, Damn Taurus, as well as um, uh, what are the other two? Uh, Cosmic Force. I have a new issue of Cosmic Force. I have a number six and mm -hmm. Mongoose Mondays. Mongoose Mondays. All right. Uh, and uh, let's see, Jen, how can we get you? Uh, people can get me on Twitter at following bliss one and um, Facebook as don't get me on Facebook. I hate Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also get me. You can also go to visit. Oh, my I just accepted you on Facebook. At, I, I know, but I just hate Facebook. Oh, God, I hate Facebook. Um, well, suggested it. I didn't. I, <laughs> at least that's what Facebook told me. Uh, you can go to my blog at criticallaughs.com with two L's and of course there's moviesmakethemeal.com as well alright and um, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and you can go to our website indyradio.org that's I-N-D-Y radio.org and we will be back of course next week with an all new episode at our regular time uh, 6 p.m. Pacific 9 Eastern King Penguin how can people get you and all that 
Well, all I'm going to say is if you have a suggestion for the next season, please email me at kingpenguin, that's with a V and not a U, at gmail.com and put in your title, The Cheese I Wants to Seize. And then you can give me the uh, title of the film that you would like us to review. All right. And, and um, I, I feel like we should end this episode, uh, King, with yes. some sort of holy something. Oh, holy, holy end of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> holy bookends, Batman. There you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah. We'll see you next week, everybody. Hi, I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person. And recently, we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like surprising a deserving dad with a brand new grill and helping give back to our veterans. And during the Honda Summer Spectacular event, we can help you too with a great deal on a reliable award-winning Honda, like the Accord the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know.